can I just say, there is nothing about cocaine that has ever seemed appealing to me. Yeah, I just, like, like, I don't really ever find myself wanting to do a hard drug. Not hard drugs, but especially, like, I have bad sinuses. That's a problem. (laughs) I have anxiety. I don't know why people want to feel the way that I feel all the time, artificially. Welcome to All My Friends Are English Majors, the podcast where I, a business major, make my friends, almost all English majors, read popular fiction with me. It is Jane Eyre month, and unlike Jane Eyre, I have a sister, and she is on the pod. Betsy, hello. Hello. We are reading Jane Eyre this month, so we're reading the, like, original text, and then we're also reading three um different versions of it so this week we read jane by april lindner it is a ya retelling of jane Eyre. um betsy you just bought this at a at borders when border existed right how did we come across this book because i know i read it in high school Yes, I bought it at Borders when Borders existed. I think maybe this was at the end of Borders and it was on sale. Nice. Yeah, but um, I thought the same thing that the author thought, which is there are a million Pride and Prejudice retellings. Why have they not done Jane Eyre? And And as an adult, I have a little better understanding of why. Why do you think that is? Uh, because modern day men can get a divorce and mental health meds exist, basically. Yeah, I mean, that's about very hard to update. Yeah, it's hard to update Rochester and make him continue to be sympathetic in the 21st century. Well, and I think also, like, Lizzie has a spine the same way that Jane has a spine. It's just more fun, like, like, pride and prejudice still exist in the 21st century but but like locking your wife in an attic doesn't shouldn't really still exist well shouldn't have existed then but like shouldn't really exist in the 21st century in like a recognizable Jane Eyre form right there is a believable other option out there it's believable that in 1834 he had no other options than to do what he did I also think that just, like, generally we as a society are moving past the power dynamic of a boss and a nanny. Like, we as a society have kind of been like, okay, bad. Like, we can say that that is fundamentally bad. The power dynamic is bad. Like, the how that treats the child in the father-nanny-child relationship is bad. Like... The fact that, for some reason, they didn't scale up Jane's... Like, man, we couldn't have made her, like, 22. I just even make her 20. Or 21. Like, if the whole thing is that she hasn't finished college yet and is trying to go back, and that's why she's nannying for a year or two to save up, oh my god, just make her 21. Like, she doesn't need to be 19 and him 38. Like... Or scale him down. God. Like, 21, for some reason, 21 and 34 is, like, 
earth-shatteringly different to me than 19 and 38. But that is the gap in the original book. I think she thought to make it recognizably Jane Eyre, that dynamic had to continue. And also, I do think that nannies still exist for single fathers. First of all, there is an entire romance subgenre about that. Yeah. But. But like. Second of all. Boss and nanny grows. She's like so alone in the world. Like is entirely dependent on him financially. Is and living in his home. Like in what way is that ever going to be a healthy power dynamic? In real life, no. In a book, I think it could be. And, yeah, like I said, nannies still exist. I think this is a signal that we grew up Johnson County rich, but not that Johnson County rich. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Okay, I guess we're talking about things that people don't understand. So I'm going to read the inside cover of this book so we can... um get going. I checked it out from the library, not from Libby, because they didn't have it on Libby. Forced to drop out of an esteemed East Coast college after the sudden death of her parents, Jane Moore takes a nanny job at Thornfield Park, the estate of Nico Rathburn, a world-famous rock star on the brink of a huge comeback. Practical and independent, Jane reluctantly becomes entranced by her magnetic and brooding employer, and finds herself in the midst of a forbidden romance. But there's a mystery at Thornfield, and Jane's much-envied relationship with Nico is soon tested by an agonizing revelation from his past. Torn between her feelings for Nico and his fateful secret, Jane must decide, does being true to herself mean giving up on true love? An irresistible romance interwoven with a darkly engrossing story, this contemporary retelling of the beloved classic Jane Eyre promises to enchant a new generation of readers. Yeah, I don't think that's a bad summary of what's in the book. No, I actually think it's really good. I, um, something we talk about a lot on the pod, especially with the cartoon cover romances, is feeling like the back of the book was like a Netflix trailer, where really you just, like, watched the entire movie in, like, two minutes and 30 seconds. Betsy, you catalog books for a living, correct? Yes. So, when you are cataloging a book... How important is the inside cover to you being able to, like, put the right information into the system so people can find the book? Like, how important is a good cover to you? So there is a field in the record that, um, where I can just transcribe the summary if I want to. That usually takes too long, so I leave that out. But when it comes to assigning subject headings, I obviously don't have time to read the whole book. So the inside cover becomes part of what helps me figure out what the book is about, along with the title, the introduction, the table of contents. And it's not a totally fair comparison because I work at an academic library, and academic monographs tend to be less Netflix trailery in their <laughs> synopses. That's not really what the book's for. Okay, but if we fudge it a little, like, do yeah. you do you have a little bit of a love hate relationship with the cartoon cover romance back covers? Because it's nice to know what it's about to be able to put it in the right category in your brain or in a system. Yes, as a consumer or a reader, I feel very lied to when the 
cover is when the back cover is off. And also, yes, as a cataloger, I do depend a lot on those inside covers for like biology books, mathematics books. Those are things I definitely didn't study in college. And it's hard for me to come up with any subheadings that have to do with freshwater mussels <laughs> if I don't have a back cover. Yeah, that makes sense. I think we... It might help, yeah. No, you go ahead. Yeah. It might help the listener to know that there's a pretty robust lake management program at SUNY Oneana, thus all the freshwater mussels. <laughs> I think that this inside cover is good. We find out the names of the main characters, specifically what the name changes are going to be in comparison to Jane Eyre, but, like, still very recognizable. Um... We find out about the way that Jane acts, which is very similar to how she acts in Jane Eyre, practical, independent, and reluctantly reluctantly becoming entranced with her employer. Like, all of those things are, like, very recognizable, and I think it's good, like, I like that April Lindner does not beat around the bush that she is rewriting Jane Eyre. Like, that's what she's doing. No, she doesn't have to. I think you've forgotten how many Pride and Prejudice adaptations were on Mortar's shelves at that time. That's true. Well, did I ever tell you, um, off topic, but I have been reading, um, Jane Austen rewritten mysteries. So I read one called, um, Sense and Second Degree Murder. Oh. Um, and she's about to read- put one out called Manslaughter Park. Oh. They're not very good. Mansfield Park is the one, it's Jane Austen at her least kind of sparkling wit. Yeah, that's what I've heard. I've never made it through. I, yeah. It's not terrible. I did get through Jane Austen's entire canon at Oxford. That was a different tutorial that I took and realized that I am a Fanny Price. (laughs) I'm certainly not Elizabeth Bennet, but... Well, at least you're not Mary. I, well, in that book, I am the Mary, too. I don't think so. I think maybe... I don't know. Maybe you're the cousin who marries Collins. What cousin? No, the best friend who marries Collins. Oh, Charlotte Lucas? Yeah, I guess I could be relentlessly practical and willing to marry a horrible man for money. <laughs> oh, no. Okay, well, there's no way to compliment you if you're not a Lizzie, so we'll just... <laughs> no, rip. I think James gets some good press, too. That's true. But I'm certainly not beautiful and clueless. So, okay, do you want to yeah, summarize? back to Jane Eyre. Or do you want, to su- uh, want me to summarize? I thought your summary of Jane Eyre was really good. Okay, I can summarize again. Okay, go for it. So Jane has dropped out of college because her parents have died, leaving her an orphan. Um, So she winds up at a temp agency looking for a nanny position. And they decide that she is uniquely qualified because she hates pop culture, which is how a lot, a surprising number of nanny romances start. (laughs) Um. But, uh, anyway, Jane, um, reads up on her employer, uh, Nico Rathburn, 
had some hits when he was younger, but like many rock stars, he got into drugs and he had a disastrous marriage with a supermodel and he eventually retreated to solitude and now he is clean and almost 40 and trying to make a comeback. So Jane um, comes to Thornfield Manor. She meets the little girl. In this version, she's not the first nanny, which I think is interesting. She was the very first nanny in the original. So that's one of the few kind of significant changes I think that was made. Um, but she meets the Mrs. Fairfax equivalent. She meets a mysterious servant named Brenda who lives on the third floor. And then finally she meets Nico a couple weeks later when he encounters her on a walk to the park to paint something. Um, he, his horse has been updated to a sleek black sports car of some kind. And his dog is a black lab, which Heck yeah. makes me happy. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I thought Pilot was more of a Newfoundland, but Co-Pilot is a lab. I also think Pilot is a Newfoundland. Anytime British literature is like, and he had a giant dog, I'm like, that's a Newfoundland. Newfoundland. I know it is. Yeah, right. What else looks like a giant, black, fluffy forest spirit? Yeah. Just a Newfoundland. Newfoundland. Anyway, but uh, she finds herself falling for Nico. Um, he teaches her to swim. He seems to be fascinated by her in ways that boys are not normally fascinated by her. Um, and eventually, uh, after a Roland romance post, um, concert rehearsal where he breaks up with the beautiful Bianca Ingram, who <laughs> was a lot less of a presence in this book than she was in the original. Um, he proposes, and Jane says yes, and then tries really hard to keep him from spoiling her with a lot of money and things. And then they go to the courthouse to get married. Um, but as they're working to get married, a mysterious man comes in and says, but Nico is still married to my stepsister. So... They go home, they see that Nico is in fact still married to that supermodel because he got her into drugs, and so he feels responsible for the early onset schizophrenia, and he pays to have her semi-well taken care of by an alcoholic maid in his attic, because mental institutions are apparently worse. Um, but Jane decides she can't deal with that, uh... And she leaves, and she goes to New Haven, because the whole thing takes place in Connecticut, um, where she meets uh, two sisters and their brother, a Yale Divinity student named River. And eventually, uh, River gets her a job at a soup kitchen, and then a paid job at a nonprofit. And then he decides that he likes the cut of her jib and he wants to take her with him to Haiti on his mission when he's done with school. So Jane first says yes, but then she realizes that River wants to take her as his lover. 
as well as his companion, and she says she can't deal with that. She turns him down. She runs off, and she ends up at the movies watching the Nico Rathburn concert documentary, where she learns that there's been a fire at Thornfield Hall. Uh, Nico has hurt his hand, but his sight's untouched in this one. Um, and so he can no longer play guitar. He's depressed. He's refusing to do his physical therapy. And she comes and comes to his rescue this time. And they live happily ever after, we think, because there's no real follow-up in this book like there is in the original Jane Eyre. So the ending feels a little less satisfying. The ending is not satisfying because their relationship is not satisfying. Like, there's no, no reason to, like, want them to get back together because the whirlwind romance that, like, makes a lot of sense in a, like, British hierarchical society. Like, you're like, why is this, like, like, you just have red flags going off all over the place with this one. Because you're like, you're in modern day. He's her boss. He wants to get married really fast. He also just, like, I have two things to say about the summary that you just gave one yeah the swimming scene was gross to me i just like as someone who like doesn't really like being touched by people that i like don't know or i'm like d not comfortable with touching me like the idea of being taught to swim by my employer even if i like think that they're like an attractive man like uh-uh uh-uh, I would, I would get the squirmies. I would rather drown than be taught to swim by a 40-year-old, like, a man double my age who I had a crush on, who was also my boss. Like, I think that I would literally yeah. crawl out of my own body. I don't think there's any reason in that scene to believe he wouldn't have respected her right to say no to him. It's just, it's the same problem as in the first Jane Eyre. An uninjured Rochester is so compelling to Jane that she can't say no. Yeah. One thing that I think I forgot to mention last week, but that we talked about in all of the classes where I learned about Jane Eyre was how Rochester being injured at the end of the book and disabled in some ways brings him down to Jane's level. Like she now has something to give him too. And that's what makes their romance possible. Yeah. I don't know how strongly I agree with that, but I think the same thing is kind of happening here. Except that Jane is a modern woman, and there doesn't need to be that circumstance for them to end up on equal footing. Yeah. Um. The other thing that I want to say, when Jane runs to New Haven and she has no money, it it is so classic rich man for Nico to have no idea what salary he is paying Jane and also for her to be, like, deeply, deeply underpaid. Because if Jane has worked there for, what, like, anywhere from, like, six months to a year before she runs, and she, like, has no expenses because she is living in their house and eating their food. She has spent, what, maybe, like, 10% of the salary that she's making. And she still is, like, I can't pay the bank fee to, like, go to the ATM and pull out more cash. 
Well, it's not just the bank fee. She's willing to deal with the bank fee. She doesn't want him to track her if she pulls out money. Yeah, it just, like... I was, like... And then when he's trying to, like, lavish gifts on her and he's acting like it's weird that she doesn't want him to buy her, like, tens of thousands of dollars worth of clothing. Like, it's very just, like, the man has lost touch with reality. Because, like, he doesn't know he's trying to buy her a wardrobe worth more than, like, what he's paying her in a year. That would make you uncomfortable. Yes, but that scene is also pulled directly from the source material. Rochester takes her into town with Adele and tries to pick out beautiful, colorful silks for her. And she says, I'll take a black and a gray and then we'll go home and you won't buy me jewelry. That's true. That's true. I don't know. This doesn't, this whole plot of them falling in love, like, I think you kind of just have to suspend disbelief on the whole 1938 employer-employee thing. But that's also the whole book. Yes, but age-gap romances are also a thing. I don't know that they're a thing I particularly love, but there are still women who go for that. Yes, but this is not an adult romance. This is a YA no, novel. So 16-year-olds are reading I, this. Yeah, but again, I think part of her concession to the source material was keeping the age gap. Yeah, that's fair. Um, at the same time, I can't... You can't deal with the age gap. I can't deal with the wife in the attic in the new one. Yeah. I am a Rochester apologist. I said this earlier before we were on air, but I can't be an apologist for this man. Mental hospitals are, I don't think, as bad as he's imagining anymore, especially when you have money. And even if they are, he can afford better home care than he's giving her. Well, and also, like, it was kind of not to, like, have my my literal my little like like I don't want to sound like someone who needs to go touch grass you know how you're like we're not allowed to say anything anymore but like I think from a mental health standpoint it is really dangerous to have like there are schizophrenics who live regular lives and who take their medication and who are like well-loved and well-cared-for by others, and part of the reason that they, like, manage to have a successful life is because of a, like, robust support system. And from the way that his wife's name in this book is BB, the way that BB's support system is written, it seems like Nico would have been supportive, it seems like her brother would have been supportive, it seems like there would have been, like, a pretty large system in place looking out for her. So I think that it is kind of dangerous to write this portrait of schizophrenia of BB being unkempt and unclean and unable to be cared for and, like, unwilling to take her medication and dangerous and, like, which is not to say that, like, schizophrenia doesn't cause people to really, really struggle. But, like, I think it is kind of gross in a way to be like 
And then the disease acted to BB in 2012 the same way that it acted in 1834, except we have medication and a better understanding and a support system. You know? Like, yeah, that's kind of yucky. Her refusal to take her meds, I don't think is that, or I don't want to say it's not that uncommon, but it's not unheard of for schizophrenic people to refuse to take their medication. Or to get in a cycle where a couple of days after taking their medication, they're feeling better and they're like, oh, I don't need my medication anymore. Instead of thinking, oh, the medication is keeping me from needing medication. Yeah. Which I have to been on an antidepressant for years and I do the same thing. I get up to the antidepressant and I'm like, why do I feel so anxious? And I'm like, <laughs> oh, I mean... Yeah, with mental health meds, if they're working properly, you feel like you're functioning well and you don't understand why you need medication. Yeah. I... But, yeah, I and I, like I said, I'm not apologizing for this man. I think he could have done better. But I also... Schizophrenic people can be tough to take care of, I think. Well, and, like, if they had explained him staying married to her as, like, I am making medical decisions for her, therefore, it, like, legally, it is just easier for me to be her husband. That would have been, like, more understandable. But he was really like, she's my responsibility, and, like, this was the best way to care for her, was to lock her in the attic and tell no one she was there. And, like, Sorry, I'm yawning. Like, there was just... I think she could have found a different way through the spider web. Right, and it feels like if there are med... Yeah, I feel like if she had taken her meds, there would have been a chance for them, too. Where in Jane Eyre, it's pretty clear that even if Bertha was lucid and sane and he had to stay married to her, it still would have been a marriage of convenience. Yeah, like, Nico Rathburn is like, I was in love with her, I loved her, I wanted to be with her constantly, like, which I will say, like, it makes a lot more sense for him to experience that guilt in that relationship then, because he, like, actually cared for her. Yes, but it also makes it harder to root for Jane, because she is the other woman. She's not the only woman who's ever turned his head. She's the second choice. Well, and, like, Rochester in Jane Eyre is tortured because he feels, like, very burdened by the wife. And I think that Nico in this book is tortured because of the decisions that he made that brought him the burden of the wife. Yeah, and Rochester doesn't feel guilty for doing anything to Bertha. Like, it's a similar kind of setup where the alcoholism may have brought on the schizophrenia early. But at the same time, it seems pretty clear in the original Jane Eyre that Bertha made her own choices. There was not pressure from her husband to start drinking. She just liked it. Yeah. And Nico was like, 
you should come and experience all these drugs with me. They're amazing. <laughs> yeah, come do cocaine. Nothing bad will happen to you. I'll protect you. I Can I just say, there is nothing about cocaine that has ever seemed appealing to me. Yeah, I just like, like, I don't have... really ever find myself wanting to do a hard drug. Like... Not hard drugs, but especially, like, I have bad sinuses. That's a problem. <laughs> I have anxiety. I don't know why people want to feel the way that I feel all the time, artificially. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Like, yeah. No. None of them feel tempting to me, but Coke especially makes me think, why do you want that? <laughs> well, and doesn't Coke have, like, a really short high, or is that meth? Um, no. I think it might have a short high. It definitely, I think it's the one where you take it once and it's the best high you've ever had, and you spend your life trying to recreate that high, and it's biologically impossible. Mm, yeah. We're really the experts on this. We should keep talking about the different ways that you can <laughs> you can do hard drugs. Um, I want to talk about Jane's family. Yeah. Do you think that her having a brother and sister added anything to this book? Um, no, the brother and sister were supposed to be stand-ins for the cousins that she doesn't have because her parents were alive through her childhood. Yeah, and mean to her. Yes, and so were her siblings. I think that being shut in the attic crawl space was a decent substitute for the Red Room, although April Lindner took a lot of the dark and stormy night out of this. Yeah. I mean, I do think that, like, living somewhere called Thornfield has, like, an implicit, like, dark and stormy night to it. Like, to me, living somewhere called Thornfield Manor, like, that is spooky. I'm so sorry. That house is haunted, no matter what, if its name is Thornfield Manor. And I'm glad that um, she kept that image of the horse chestnut tree. Yeah. I think we didn't talk about it when we talked about Jane Eyre, but that split tree that is still barely hanging on by the roots, like, that is very much an image of Jane and Mr. Rochester at that point in the story. Oh, I'm glad you explained that to me, because I was really trying to plumb the depths of the image and, like, not really coming up with anything. Yeah, I can't decide if it's Jane and Rochester or Rochester and Bertha, but that is definitely Rochester and somebody being torn asunder, but not quite. In my heart, I want it to be Jane and Rochester, but I think it could be both. Like, I think, I guess it just depends on, like... No, I think... It... This book is Jane Eyre. I think it's about Jane and Rochester. Yeah. And maybe that's what you're responding to in Jane over Jane Eyre, is that this is a romance where Jane Eyre happens to be the main character. It's not Jane Eyre's autobiography. And I, like, part of the reason that I read, I finished Jane Eyre, because I was, Betsy, I was minutes from Sparknotesing. Like, I got, like, a hundred pages in on Libby, and I was like, do I actually have to read this book? Like, do I? Mm -hmm. And, like, the reason you continue is because you're rooting for Jane. And in this book, this Jane, as much as she's supposed to be, like, practical and smart, 
And the one reason I think she keeps the siblings around is so we can show Jane having a spine. And, like, but Jane is very, very passive, even with agreeing to marry Nico right up until she decides to leave. Yeah. I think that he has her under a spell, which is also true in um, the original Jane Eyre. And yet, in both books, she realizes that the way to keep him happy is by continuing to be a challenge, which that one made it into modern romances, that trope. Um, but, but like, think about what you just said. Like, yeah, the way that she figures out how to keep him interested is to challenge him. Not Jane as a person challenges Rochester. Just like, do you actually think that she is like, oh, the way to keep him interested is to be challenging? Or do you think that that is who Jane is? Because I kind of think in Jane Eyre, That's who Jane is. And I kind of think that the Jane in Jane is, like, a little bit of a chameleon. Like, I don't really know if she knows who she is or what she wants out of a relationship at all. Well, she's 19, and in this world, 19 is not as old as it was in that one. That's true. But also, um, no, I think... You talked about the clothes buying scene. I think that's Jane. I don't think that she wanted to continue to impress Nico by not being materialistic. I think if you are destitute and someone offers to buy you so much stuff, you're kind of like, wait, wait, wait. Like, that's not what I need. Like, no. I don't know. I... Yeah. But at this point, she's got the place to live. Yeah. I like this Jane. But I find her frustrating. Yeah, there are moments. And the fact that when she goes back, she says, I just couldn't stay away from you anymore. I don't think that's quite what the Jane Eyre in the original was thinking when she went back. It was more like, I I have to see what he's doing now. Yeah. And it feels like if there had been no dead wife, Jane might have gone back anyway. And Jane Eyre would have continued not to live near Mr. Rochester if she knew that there was still a Bertha. In Jane Eyre, she had reached out to Rochester multiple times. She had written letters, she had waited for a letter back, it had been like six months. And in this one, Jane is hiding, 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 and then like sees a broken and brokenhearted man on the movie screen and is like, oh my gosh, I cannot... Like, I cannot stay away. Which, yeah, that is nice. I will, I, I will hear one good thing about this book. It is that Jane chooses to go back to Rochester not out of morbid curiosity, but out of love. Yes. Yeah, they really, they do seem like a compatible good couple, despite the age gap, despite the power dynamic. And now there is no power dynamic. She's not coming back as his nanny. That's true. Then we're just kind of in a we're in a in a in a sugar husband situation. Uh yeah, which I don't mind. I didn't grow up that kind or I was not that kind of destitute, but if a man took me to a designer store and said I'll buy you ten thousand dollars worth of clothes, yes I'd let him. Oh 
my gosh, if What Not to Wear was still around, like, I would be asking to be nominated. Right? Not because <laughs> I don't like how I look, but because I would really like someone to spend $10,000 on clothes for me. There were only $5,000 on that credit card. Oh, that's true. Well, and they'd get so mad at me because I, when they would let me shop on my own, I would probably buy myself the pair of Birkenstocks I've been looking at. <laughs> right, and they would love me because I'd go to Saks and buy those pointy-toed stilettos that Stacey London loves. Oh, Stacey London was so fabulous with her, her like, gray streak. She still is. She's been on some YouTube videos in the past few years. She's still kind of a fun person. So, anyway. I have a question for you about, like, public domain and rewritten books. So, Mm -hmm. when people rewrite Jane Eyre, because I have, or um, Pride and Prejudice, because I haven't read that many rewritten Pride and Prejudices. Yeah. Are they doing as much, like, almost direct quotation as April Linder is doing in part of this book? Because when Rochester gets found out um, about, like, wanting to be a bigamist, he literally says, like... Yeah, bigamy is an ugly word, but yeah, I guess so. He says, bigamy, that's an ugly word. Not untrue, but still ugly. And then... He says, come on, all of you, you're in for a treat, an inside show at the freak show I call my life. Be sure to bring your camera phones. I'll give you something you can sell to the tabloids for half a million dollars. An exclusive. He, she captures the mania. She does. She does, but I think she does it in an updated enough way. Yeah. I think with Pride and Prejudice, there is always one thing that has to fundamentally change. With Jane Eyre, there are a couple things I think she should have fundamentally changed that she didn't. But with Pride and Prejudice, in order to update it, Lydia can't be forced to get married. Because that's not how that would happen now. Yeah. Wickham jilts her. She's sad. There's probably a sex tape floating around the internet. But you don't make someone marry someone else for those reasons anymore. In Jane Eyre, it's the wife in the attic. You've got to update that somehow. And also Sinjin being her first cousin. That they did update, I think. Yeah. I was going to say, if you're not a big reader, I know what my number one comp con book wreck is going to be. And it's the Lizzie Bennet Diaries on YouTube. Oh, yes. They're very good. Yeah, I'm sad Pemberley Digital kind of stopped after Little Women. Did they? I didn't watch the Pemberley Digital Little Women. I made it like almost through Sanditon, but then Sanditon, I kind of I fell didn't... off. Yeah, Sanditon I didn't go through. Um, I have a hard time with like unfinished works that they're trying to guess at the contents of, but I did, I watched part of their Little Women. I watched their Frankenstein. Oh, I think I might have seen stuff about their Frankenstein. Uh, guys, for those of you who don't know, Pemberley Digital was a, like, YouTube company that put out, like, vlog-style, like, books. The Lizzie Bennet Diaries is, like, hours and hours of content. I mean, I watched the same Pepsi commercial probably, like, 
60 times in one day, like watching all of the Lizzie Bennet diaries. When Darcy and Lizzie get together for the first time, oh my God. It's amazing. Like, it's so good. It's very well done. And I, I like that they cut out the other three sisters or the other two sisters from this one. Yeah, there's Jess, that one. Jane, Lydia, Lizzie, and Charlotte. Because those are the people important things happen to. Mary is their cousin. Uh, Kitty is their cat. <laughs> well, and like, it's the, it's called the Lizzie Bennet Diaries. Like, it's not called Pride and Prejudice. So like, it is really about Lizzie. Lizzie's vlogging. So, it would be the people who are important to and, like, very present in Lizzie's, Lizzie's story. Yeah. There are also the Lydia Bennett diaries, though, to kind of make that subplot round out. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, they're not the only Pride and Prejudice adaptation to do that. A lot of the newer versions don't really know what to do with Kitty and Mary. Yeah, it's, well... There's not that many families with five children anymore, either, that don't have, like, religious undertones. And, like, a lot of the Pride and Prejudice updates are, like, godless. So. they So godless. But they would have to be, yeah, and they'd have to be Catholic or Mormon, and then Lydia might have to marry Mr. Wickham. Oh, that's a thought. Okay, (laughs) here. I'm gonna read a list. It's a list titled, Does the Time Jump Work? Age Gap. Mm -hmm. No. Power Dynamic. No. Not Divorcing BB. No. Why is she in the attic? No. Why won't she take her meds? No. Why doesn't mental health care exist? No. Okay, the list gets a little messy at the end. But essentially, like, if you read this book fully as just a rewritten Jane Eyre, fun! Fun book! If you pull back the curtain literally at all, you're like, hmm. I am willing to buy that she won't take her meds because, again, I think that's common with people with those kinds of mental health problems, especially side effects of antipsychotics, I think, can be rough. And so people who have to take them don't like it. Yeah, that's fair. Um. I, I don't want to speak for that community. I'm not a part of it, but that is my guess. But, like, the rest of it specifically, was this published pre-Harvey Weinstein? Oh, way pre. Yeah. 2010. Before, yeah. Yeah, it came out before Borders closed, and Harvey Weinstein came to light after Borders closed. That's the, that's the new, um, that's the new ADBC is... Like, before, like, when Borders existed and after Borders closed. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Um, That's, I think, another way that you, like, write this book is because we had not had our, I mean, we had not had, I guess there have been lots of reckonings about uh, women's safety in the workplace, but we, we hadn't had our most recent reckoning yet. And we hadn't had Trump as president. And, like, all of the things that have made 
there well I don't want to say like all of the things that have made being a woman fraught in the last decade like hadn't happened yet when this was written because like all of those things were still happening to women but like I think that each generation loves to be like and then we invented being woke and figured out that like women should be treated well and that we shouldn't be mean to them all the time and all of the things that come with just like being a woman and like I don't know if this book gets published, like, post-Me Too. Well, but Nico doesn't mistreat Jane. He doesn't. I don't think there's a moment where he threatens her job. I guess Um, that I am arguing that a 38-year-old employer dating his 19-year-old nanny is inherently mistreatment. Um, maybe. Um, I think that... Sometimes it works in books. I think that you're right. If you move the situation to real life, there's no way. But in books, people can be less sinful than they are in real life. Yeah. And Nico's got a lot of flaws, but he's not a rapist. hey One point. Check mark in the pro-Nico Rathburn column. <laughs> I guess if we're already talking about Nico, we can move to the perfect man. Because I have been really speaking on how uh, this book made me feel a little bit yucky. I just, here's my problem. I get that I'm 25, so when I was 19, that was six years ago. But, like, Mm -hmm. I think about who I was as a 19-year-old and the life experience that I had as a 19-year-old. And the idea of having a romance with... Even at 25, the idea of having a romance with a 38-year-old kind of makes me feel So I think that I was just generally getting the ick because, like, 19-year-olds are children. Like, I don't really care that they're, like, of legal age. Like, you, you, you are a child. Right? I've never had any love for, there are too many dad's friend romances out there. There is not one of my father's friends I want to have sex with. Betsy, I I say this with all the love in my heart. You need to cancel your Kindle Unlimited subscription. (laughs) I don't read those. I just know they exist. Yeah, I have never read any of those. I think they would give me the bleh, bleh. No. It's, yeah, there's just... Apparently, my family members really lacked the hot friends that other girls had. (laughs) But yeah, no, gross. If he's old enough to be my dad, he's too old to be my husband. Amen. Say it louder. I'm doing the sign of the cross. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah. So no, in in a lot of situations, you're right, that would be unconscionable and I'd be done. Uh, because it's a Jane Eyre update, and because that age gap is such a thing, even in the original book, I think it had to come with, it had to come to the new version. Yeah. Um, I also have down on The Perfect Man that, like, Rochester has a little bit of, um, Jane is his manic pixie dream girl vibes. Yes, literally his manic pixie dream girl. He's manic. He thinks she's a pixie. Oh, my God. No, no, no. Do you... Well, the manic pixie dream girl, the girl is supposed to be the manic pixie. Yeah. 
Yeah, so Jane is less manic, but she is, he thinks she's some kind of supernatural creature. Brought here to, like, bring him to his knees. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And so this is something that Mom talks about when we talk about film adaptations of Jane Eyre. The Mia Wasikowska and Michael Fassbender one is good. She doesn't like the one from the 70s because Rochester is too pretty. Okay, Googling Jane I think that Rochester... 1970s. Is it the 70s? Yeah, it is 1970. You are right on. Rochester is supposed to be rough looking. Oh, he's got a big old forehead. Yeah. Like, he's not even rock star handsome. He's just... He's not good looking at all. And I think that... They've made this Jane Eyre and this Nico, or in this Mr. Rochester, a bit less, um, oh, yeah, they did cast a guy with a serious forehead. Yeah. Was that Sinjin? That's what I'm saying. At the same time, yeah, he's a little too chiseled. Yeah. Rochester is not, Rochester is not supposed to be good looking. Jane's not supposed to be good looking. This is a romance between two plain to ugly people. Yeah. And I think it's interesting in this one that no amount of makeup makes Jane gorgeous. Well, it's also a first-person narrative. Like, true. who's to say that, like, Jane's mean mom did not just, like, deeply, deeply warp her sense of self in, like, a really legitimate way? Yeah. But anybody who ever sees Jane Eyre in... The original doesn't, nobody ever thinks that she's attractive. Yeah, they're like, Not even Rochester, really. Yeah. He's like, oh, you're interesting. No woman ever ever wants to be told she's interesting looking. Oh my gosh, if someone told me I was interesting looking, I would, I would move cities. Like, I would disappear. But Jane gives it back to him. He's also interesting looking. Yeah, rather that's than true. handsome. And in this version, Nico has to be at least a little hot. Because he is a rock star. Hollywood if you're not. I <laughs> don't know. Matt Healy's real ugly, and he's the lead singer of the 1975. I My theory about singers is that they have to be able to do two of three things. They have to be attractive, they have to be good songwriters, or they have to be good singers. Taylor Swift is an attractive songwriter. Ariana Grande is an attractive singer. Maybe Maddie Healy is an attractive singer. Or he's a singer-songwriter. Or is a singer-songwriter. Ed Sheeran is a singer-songwriter. He's not terrible-looking, but he's also not Hollywood handsome. Oh my gosh, Betsy, you're really cooking with that. Did you really come up with that all by yourself? I think I did, yeah. Oh my goodness. Watch out, Demois. Betsy is coming for you. <laughs> I don't know who that is. Oh, well, it wasn't a very good comparison. Demois is like a gossip site. Right now, all they're doing is posting pictures of Taylor Swift at Arrowhead Stadium. Oh, that's how you say that. Okay, I've seen them written out, but I've never heard them said. Yeah, it's French. Demois. Yep. Um, but yeah, something else I put in the outline that I I feel in my gut is that it feels as if Nico is obsessed with the idea of Jane, but we're 
being told he's obsessed with Jane. But, like, they don't know each other. Like, I think he's obsessed with what Jane could be. I don't know. The whirlwind romance here really does not ring as true. They sleep together once. They spend, like, one morning on a porch together. And then he's like, we should get married. Yeah. But that, that I didn't mind so much because he's a rock star. I think celebrities do that. Well, yeah, it's just. That doesn't mean it works most of the time, but it didn't feel out of character for someone who's Hollywood. But it did feel out of character for someone who has, like, worked to become a real person. Like, he was a rock star in his 20s. He did a lot of drugs. He got clean, he grew up, he had a child, he cares for his child. Like, it doesn't make sense to me that he, who had, like, made so many choices in his 30s to, like, grow and change as a person, would go back to, like, rock star habits as soon as he, like, has sex with a 19-year-old. But yeah, they only slept together once, but they had been getting to know each other for months before that. Um... Yeah. And they did sleep together more than once before the wedding. That's just when he proposed. Yeah. And also, Jane Eyre and Mr. Rochester had sex zero times. And yet, he was obsessed with her. Yeah. I just think, I don't know. I wish, I wish I liked either of the characters that Jane could end up with a little bit better. Because, she also meets, and I will not be pronouncing this Sinjin because we are in modern times. His name is River no, St. John. No, this is River St. John, and his sister is Maria, not Mariah, because we're in modern times. Ugh. River St. John is also kind of threatening and has a weird power dynamic because she lives in their apartment with the sisters and River, and Like, he has the power to make her living situation hellish. And he does. Once she shoots him down, he acts super weird. And really, Mr. Collins it and is like, don't worry, I'll just let you think about it and I'll ask again. Like, don't worry. Like, I know I'm going to get my way. I'll just keep asking. Like, it just, eek, eel. Gives me the willies a little bit. She doesn't give him a lot of time to adjust. I think that they've kept some of the original Sinjin's intensity. Um, you're right. Neither character's right for Jane. I've always appreciated that about Jane Eyre, too, is that the theory is not practicality over love. It's morality over love. But she doesn't then go for the, like, practical sedate match the church would have her make. She makes a choice for herself. Yeah, the one in her own social class, the one who's really more handsome than she deserves, the one who is not married to anybody. He's her first cousin, but it's 1834, so that doesn't matter. Oh, I forgot about the fact that he's too handsome for her. I hadn't thought about that at all. Yeah, he looks like a Roman bust. I just in find, both versions. I just find him so off-putting that it doesn't really matter that he's handsome. Like, he's just so wrong for Jane in so many other ways that I'm like, eh, I don't really care that he's hot. 
Well, I hope that he realizes that there are women around him who could also go to Haiti forever. Like, he's being kind of unfair to his soup kitchen co-worker who has a massive crush on him. Yeah, he's literally like, she's just volunteering because she has to, like, fill a requirement. And it's like, she's talking to you. She's acting like she likes you. Like, I, that that's the major problem with Sinjin or River St. John. Both of them are, like, the most judgmental character in the book. And yet, I don't respect how judgmental they are, but they do expect themselves to behave in the same way. To me, that's a big difference between a hypocrite and somebody who's not a hypocrite. So the standards they set for themselves. Yeah, that's and fair. He does, that's the standard he's set for himself. At the same time, yeah, uh, he's also, let me be clear, I don't have anything against socialists. He would absolutely be one of those socialists on my Facebook feed who's like, eat the rich. They're all bad. Wealth is inherently evil. Yeah, he, um... And maybe it is, but wealthy people are not all bad. Yeah, everybody in the whole world should be required to sit outside and touch some sort of green thing every day. (laughs) Every day you have to touch a living thing that isn't another person. Yeah. And then you're allowed to make Facebook posts, but only after you've touched some grass. He's a little out of touch, and he's also, um, yeah, he thinks that because this soup kitchen co-worker is the heiress to a drug company, she can't possibly have substance or want to be charitable. He thinks that because Jane dated a rock star, that she can't be, have substance or be charitable. That is wrong. Rude. That was so rude of him. Yeah. When he finds out that she dated a rock star, he is immediately like, oh, so you're shallow? No, Nico Rathburn is deep. (laughs) He, yeah. It, It would be one thing if he was like, oh, like you hid a relationship from us. But he feels, he would have felt a lot less betrayed if she was dating like, if she had, like, accidentally dated a criminal, then dating a rock right, star. Right, or if she'd run off from an abusive husband. Like, yeah. But instead, he's like, oh. You're scum. Like, we've been yeah. letting a liar live in our house. A liar with no morals live in our house. Like, and he he forgives her for that. He realizes there's more to her. There's nothing to forgive! Like, that's gross she for li- him to forgive her for dating a rock star. I, yeah. No, there is something to forgive, because she lied. And she couldn't anticipate exactly what that lie would do. Like, what if one of Nico's fans, during the big call to find his Cinderella, had found out where the where the St. John's lived, and they'd been mobbed with paparazzi? But that's not what he's worried about. And you know that's not what he's worried about. Like, now he uh, feels like she needs to apologize for dating a rock star. Not for right, lying for not about exactly, dating a rock star. For not being exactly the poor, plain, boring girl he thought she was. Exactly. Yeah, that's yeah. gross. That's 
That is red flag gross man behavior. And not as red flag or as gross as her brother, but that's true. Her brother is one-dimensionally bad. He's abusive as a child. He's an alcoholic as an adult who won't seek treatment. He... Uh, and, and, yeah, and abusive. Yeah. Boo! Right. Yeah, no, we don't like Mark. But Mark is also on the screen very briefly. They are, the sub again, the substitutes for her cousins, who were one-dimensionally... Outwardly religiously pious, but dead inside, and outwardly really interested in landing a rich husband, which, in her position, I would have been too. <laughs> Do you want to read some Goodreads reviews? Sure. Okay. So I have a one-star review here, but in parentheses, I put, I think this reads like a three-star review. Mm-hmm. Jane herself is also a puzzle. There's no real reason given for her being as reserved as she is, either in her upbringing or her beliefs. Just because someone doesn't wear makeup or read gossip magazines and is bookish, though there's no actual evidence of her reading, by the way, doesn't mean she should be boring for heaven's sake. This girl has so little about her that is interesting or unique, and what spirit she shows is lifted directly and reworked from Charlotte Bronte's own dialogue. This doesn't mean that a contemporary take on Jane Eyre is a mistake. I think it's actually a great idea to do a modern rewrite on this story because it's one filled with dramatic tension and romance and tragedy. But it's important that a good rewrite not only captures some spirit or ideal from its source material, but it also catches the reader's imagination on its very own. As such, dear reader, I sadly cannot recommend this particular version. Okay. Yeah, I think that reads like a three star. And I think it's fair. Yeah, that's how I felt, too. Sometimes I'll read a review and I'll be like, oh my gosh, like, why do you even bother writing this? But, like, those are legitimate critiques. In terms of, like, I think that perhaps the author, that April Lindner, leaned a little too much on the source material in character development for Jane specifically. Yep. And also... That, like, it did not manage to capture the spirit or ideal from the source material. Like, which is a hard, which is a hard ask. She is one of my favorite characters in literature. Well, and she, like, it's kind of funny that she named this book Jane, when this book is Jane in Rochester. Yeah, this one is. And I think the same would be true if you read Catherine, which is the follow-up to Jane, her update of what if Heathcliff was a rock star, but maybe also a little less sociopathic. Fascinating. Oh, I spoke to my friend Lydia. She loves Jane Eyre, but she also loves Wuthering Heights. Yeah, I think you can love both. You just have to go in not expecting Wuthering Heights to be a romance. Yeah. Yeah. And because last time I talked with mom about this, she pointed out that Catherine Earnshaw is also terrible. Catherine Earnshaw is also terrible. They're both bad. <sighs> Catherine is the kind of woman who leaves you because you're poor, marries someone richer, and then haunts you for the rest of your life once she dies of a mysterious wasting disease. I think, you know how dad is always talking about how he can't watch Breaking Bad because he doesn't want to root like the protagonist like is a criminal and he doesn't want to root for a criminal and it's like not worth it to explain that you're not supposed to like Walter 
Walter White. I know, I've tried, even though I can't watch Breaking Bad either, I'm, for the same reason. I do understand that you're not supposed to root for Walter White. But that's kind of how I feel reading a book where you're, like, not supposed to root for either of the main characters. Like, if Kathy and Heathcliff both suck, what is the point? Yeah, you've got to like someone. It's why I could only get through a couple episodes of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, because they're all bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. I, yeah, I thought that was a good review. I forgot to write down how many stars this was. It was either two or three. Um, And I just took the end of it. In the end, I feel both Jane and Rochester's characters suffer from the temporal transition. Rochester is too cruel and Jane too lacking in agency when they are taken out of the confines of a British hierarchical class system. In the end, it just made me want to reread The Air Affair. Which we then both read the synopsis for. Uh, I have not read it, but I might. (laughs) Yeah, it seems really fun. I think we'll put it in in Rex, in CompCon. Yeah, I think they do suffer from the temporal transition. I think she kept too many of the wrong bones. And I think, again, it would be hard not to, because what do you do with Bertha to make her stand in their way if it's not exactly what was done with her in the original? Well, maybe Jane... I don't know. If we if we go down this rabbit hole, maybe Jane needs to feel that Rochester actually does hold accountability. Maybe there is something to absolve Rochester of. Like some forgiveness to be reached. Whereas Jane basically forgives Rochester immediately in both of these. Like she's like, you have broken my heart because you're married. I hold you not accountable to your marriage at all beyond the fact that I will not like destroy a marriage by being with you. Like, right, and I won't gallivant with you around Europe. Exactly. Pretending like you're not married. And, like, maybe there does, like, maybe Jane should process the fact that, like, Rochester did potentially ruin a woman's life. Like, maybe Rochester needs to actually ruin someone's life. Like, maybe there's an actual skeleton in the closet instead of a live one. And, like, that's yeah. how you do it. Right, maybe he's still mourning his dead wife, mm-hmm. but no one knows she's dead or something. I yeah, or like, I don't know. I think especially but, yeah. like with grief, there are like lots of logistical steps to the death of a loved one that you don't want to think about in terms of just like, like we were talking about this when like Sam and I went over to mom and dad's for dinner. Like, I have a coworker right now whose dad died without a will six months ago, and she's still trying to get all the paperwork in order to be able to sell his house. Because she's the oldest child, and she has to go through the courts. Yeah, thank God our parents are a little more prepared (laughs) because of dad's job. (laughs) But also, like, that to say, like, I think potentially we could see it as, like, maybe Rochester hasn't signed the papers like maybe he went through like a not an amicable divorce but he like went through to divorce his mentally ill wife who he could not care for who did not want to be with him etc etc and then he won't sign the papers even though she has 
That right. could be and something. Depending on what state they're in, they both have to sign them. Yeah, like, that could be something. I just think that there were more ways to puzzle this out than locking the woman in the attic. Like, you can figuratively right. lock the woman in the attic. I just wish she had tried to. Right. It's, But I do feel like that's a harder hurdle. I think most historical books, if you're going to update them, there's something that you've got to fix because... Of, especially romances because of how much has changed in our society's morality. Um, Jane Eyre's is harder to fix than Pride and Prejudice's. It's pretty easy to have Lydia be disgraced but not married. It's a little harder to have Rochester still be married but not really because divorce is possible and his wife be schizophrenic, but also that treatment's available, so why isn't she getting it? Well... Like, and that's, I think, yeah. where we come back to the fact that, like, Rochester genuinely loved and cared for his wife in this book. Why are we pretending that, like, emotional ties bind, bind less than legal ties? Yeah. Like, right. that's and the weird line. Yes. Yeah, and Bertha was just kind of a pretty thing to Rochester, even at the beginning. Yeah. It was clear that even if... There wasn't mental illness in that family. That would have fizzled out. And when it did, they would have been screwed. <laughs> I think we might have talked Jane to death. I think we've done it. I, I think perhaps, yeah. <laughs> uh, we spent about as long on this as we did on Jane Eyre, and Jane Eyre is much longer. Yeah, this took much me, like, richer. two and a half hours to read. Yeah, <laughs> say, and it took me about two and a half hours to read a part of Jane Eyre. Yeah. Um, then I'm gonna next, say that my plane, yeah. You were about to, you were about to cue it up for me. We're gonna read My Plain Jane next. We are. I think it'll be somewhere in the middle. Uh, it's 544 pages? 547? Which on Libby, let me look at what it is on Libby. 494 on Libby. So, okay. not very long at all. Yeah, so, about a 500 page book. Yeah. But but Libby pages. So, like, really probably, like, a 300-page book. No, because I've got the print version. Oh, my God. How big is the print on it? Um, probably mid-size. It's not huge, but it's not tiny. Gotcha. Um, but anyway, yes, we're going to read My Plain Jane next week. And then after that, we'll read The Wide Sargasso Sea, which I think will take a lot of my brain space. And then we'll do CompCon. Five whole episodes on Jane Eyre. Um, Betsy, are you doing anything fun this week? Do you have anything to plug? Um, do you have any books you want people to read that aren't about Jane Eyre that you've read recently? Um, nothing to plug. Uh, and no, there's not much <laughs> fun to do here. Although maybe I'll go to the cider mill or the apple orchard at some point. Oh, take good pictures of the fall color. It comes early f earlier for you, doesn't it? And it depends on where you are. Since I'm in the foothills of the Catskills, the further south you go, the lower the elevation is and the less fall, the less early fall comes. Gotcha. Essentially for the trees. Um, let me be clear. The Catskills are not the Rockies. I can bake at a normal ratio here, <laughs> but. Heard. Yep. Um. Yeah, this has been All My Friends Are English Majors. Follow us at English Majors Pod on 
Instagram. Send us an email at EnglishMajorsPod at gmail.com. Um, and we'll see you next week to read My Plain Jane. Bye, everybody. <laughs>